reckon somebody in town is listening to us. Impossible. They can't hear a word you're saying. You've inaugurated yourself. See, the, the podium, if it's going to be in the center of your life, there's only one person that can be speaking from it. It's not you. But it's there for most people. Oh, it looks the part, doesn't it? Even it has it looks like that we're really doing the right thing. Come on, somebody. We can say the right thing in the community. We can make people believe we're really sold out and committed. It's the truth. But it's us speaking. Well, it's really funny. Some of us hear these sermons week in and week out. Some of us don't. Some of us are pretty sporadic. But it doesn't matter. The Bible's still there. But I'm going to talk to you today about getting past inauguration. You have to get past it. It's not that sometimes the podium leaves the, the, and you've got to put it back to the center and make sure he's the one speaking. But it's so difficult when we refuse to deal with our flesh that we're so worried about what somebody thinks of us. I am so glad Jesus didn't care what the world thought about him. They mocked him, called him a devil, did everything you could do, but he still stood and said, but this pleases the Father, so I have to go through with this. He loved you, but not like he loved the Father. That's when everybody misses it. It always says, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It never says that in the Bible, but we sing it well. God loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, because he gave his son, and I'm so glad I don't have to go, dot, 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 to hell. Come on, somebody. The inauguration, appointing a cabinet, that's next. We hadn't even got past January 20th. It's a difficult process. Our whole country seems to be in an uproar more than it's ever been. And I, I grew up in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and I saw the wars and, and, and the prejudices that are still around today, but now we're so sensitive to anything anybody says. I mean, it's just crazy. We, we, we can't hardly say we don't like asparagus because somebody has taken the form of asparagus being their God. I mean, I don't know. It's really that crazy. I do like asparagus, so don't get me wrong, but don't bring up cauliflower because I don't like it, and I hate Brussels sprouts. So if you're going to get mad, get political about it. I don't really care. I love people. I do. God loves me, but he don't like everything I do. Mm. Everybody going, yeah, well, not me because I do it all right. You better quit deceiving yourself, see? Here you go again. You're over here. You know, I want you to really look at your life today because I want you to always look up here. And don't look in the middle of this thing. I want you to look over here because when you move the podium that God is supposed to be speaking from, it's always in the dark if it's not him speaking. Ain't a spotlight up here, is there? Shout me down and I'm preaching good. The inauguration, appointing a cabinet. When's the last time you really did that? When a new president is inaugurated, his success or failure depends upon his cabinet. Now, if he had Jesus in the middle of this, it really wouldn't even depend on that. Because Jesus would make sure he appointed the right people and that he would listen to the right word, discern the message that they're giving him, and then operate accordingly. These are choices he makes of the utmost importance, and they really are. Because many, well, I think there's one that already quit that he's tried to appoint. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Obviously, he didn't discern very well. You hate to appoint somebody that really doesn't want to be where you've called them or where you thought God called them. 
their loyalty, integrity, and their desire to be a servant to him and have the people's best interest are beyond value. That's what they have to be. That's what we're, I'm, I'm talking, remember last week we inaugurated again Jesus back into the place he belongs, not over here in the, in the dark, because now we know we're behind the podium. And it looks like, and we are, we're born again, maybe all of us in here are, maybe all of us aren't, we can talk about that later. But if we are born again, that's where our podium ends up in a lot of times, because I'm telling you, on a daily basis, you have to make sure Jesus is talking behind your podium. Yeah, thank you. I might even need some of that right now. Thank you very much. You know, everybody's wondering why I got a scratchy voice. I don't know. I just have one. Hmm? The cabinet exists to the vice president in our government. Do you all know that? And 15 different departments, 15 heads of different departments. That's a lot of people that you have to trust. The functioning of our government depends on many of their decisions and the president's response to them. In being Christians, we also must pick a cabinet. Come on, somebody. You didn't ever know that, did you? You just came down and got saved. That's why your life hasn't changed a whole lot. That's why it hasn't looked much different than it did when, before you were saved. And I'm not saying you're not saved. But if you don't pick a right cabinet, if you don't understand as a Christian, you better have the right cabinet, then you end up pretty much not ever getting into that place where Jesus stands every morning behind the podium of your life, the soul and the heart of who you are, and speaks into you and you respond the, properly. Saying the prayer for salvation is one thing, but developing his government within you is another issue. You have to develop his government within you. Are you listening? I mean, I know people that know so much more word as far as memory by, more than me that it's unbelievable. They can just spit this stuff out. But the real issue is their lives are not indicative of what they can memorize. It really hasn't, it hasn't become uh, like a piece of petrified wood. It is them. First, let me tell you who we need to pick as a cabinet, a member of the cabinet. We need a father. Now, see, we're going to do it a little different than they do. They need a vice president and then 15 other members. But here's what Christianity needs, even though it goes along a line with inauguration. We know we need a father. Many of us have been so defeated because uh, some of us are orphans. Some of us didn't know our dads, didn't know our mothers. And if we did, were we rejected by them? But let me tell you something. Every Christian was an orphan at one time or another. And you needed a father. And if we're going to allow Christianity to develop in a way that the inauguration in our life through Jesus Christ, then we must have a father. We must develop in the fact that we have a father and that's who the, the father is inside of us, is who we listen to, who we talk to. There are so many who claim Jesus as their savior, but act as though they have no father. Therefore, they're prodigal. Now, I'm going to tell you, when your father speaks, you should be attentive. When your father speaks, there should not be an excuse on why you're not going to follow his direction. A prodigal acts like he has no father, but he does have a father, remember? This is so vital to our growth as believers. If you don't have a father or act like you don't have a father, and I'm not talking about an earthly father, I'm talking about the creator of the universe. It's so great to know that I have a father like that, not just a father, but I have a father that created the universe. 
somebody steadfast, strong, and so powerful that I have to look no further than no matter what my inefficiencies are, he covers every single one of them. Romans 8, 15 says this, For But you have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now listen to that. Without a father, that must mean we walk in. Read it. I didn't write it. I just believe it. Without a father, without recognizing we have a father, we operate in fear. And you go, I'm not afraid of anything. That's obvious that you are by having to state that. You're afraid of having a father. You're afraid of having a father speak into your life through the blood of Jesus, through the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk about all that too as well. We cry, Abba, Father, spirit of adoption. It is a spirit that rides on us. We're no longer orphans in a wilderness world which generates fear. I'm telling you what, just reading this morning the news depresses me. I mean, which shooting are we going to read about next? Which insane act is going to cause us to think, God, are you watching? Are you seeing? Are you, are you comprehending? Did you know this was going to be happening? That's a ridiculous statement, but fear we know, is, we, we know what fear does. It causes isolation. As soon as there's any kind of fear, instead of us normally running to the body of Christ, you know what we do? Fear morphs itself into many things. I mean, it just, it doesn't call itself out all the time, but fear really does morph itself into many things. Fear can take you to a victim mentality. And you think it's just you're being a victim or really people have done you wrong, but in reality, it's, a, it's an idea that you've forgotten that you've been adopted by the Father. And if you're not adopted by the Father, then you develop a spirit of that's what it says. See, you have to understand when Scripture speaks, it's the only truth that you can truly go by as a believer. So if you don't believe you have a daddy, you're operating in fear. So if you don't, if you're operating in fear, then you don't have a daddy. Or you're acting like you don't have a daddy. We become Lone Ranger Christians. If you're born again, you have received the spirit of adoption. Not maybe, but you have received the spirit of adoption. I mean, this is so, should be so strong in your life that there's nothing in the, in the fleshly realm about rejection that should overtake you because the spirit of the Father, the spirit of adoption resides within you. No matter who rejects you, God says, I approve of you. You are my son. That's so important. Still Christians walk around in defeat. Still Christians walk around like, eh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. That's all a lie. And all, of those, and all of that kind of talk brings about fear when we ought to be talking about, let me just say this, if nobody else loved me, I know I have a daddy. I mean it. So I'm going to believe the lie of the flesh. That's okay. At least I got a daddy to talk to. When I was a young man in high school, I used to take this old dog I had Middle of the night, it'd be 10 or 11. I'd go up, sit in the middle of the football stands at night, and I'd talk to that dog. You know, when you're a teenager, you just sometimes, without Christ, you just don't have a clue. So I'm talking to this dog like he has something to say. I'm telling him how hard life is. See, I'm telling him, really, truly, let me tell you what I'm really telling him. This will embarrass you. 
But I'm telling him that I want to date my wife that her parents won't let me date, but I sure do love her. And that dog just looks at me like, you got me. <laughs> okay, Tiger, you're not the one I'm talking about here. Huh? Jan's my girl here. I'm trying to. I'd sit up there. I'd go many nights. I'd go up there just be 10, 11 o'clock at night, nobody in the football stadium. I'd slip through the gate, and me and old Tiger would sit up there in the stands, and I'd feel sorry for myself. Because you know what the real truth was? I didn't know I had a daddy. I didn't know I had a heavenly father. And that's why many of us are today. That's why many of us look at our earthly situations and forget we're owned by somebody. And it's so important to, to be that and to have that. I'll never forget when my wife, as a, when she got to a place before, she was, before we got married, and she finally decided that she was going to stick with me no matter what. I mean, she got jealous about me a little bit. She's not a jealous person. But she got jealous about me a little bit. And, and my stock rose. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? She got jealous about where I was at. It kind of put a little hitch in my walk. You understand? <laughs> she cares about who I am, where I'm going. She cares about me. See, I want you to know something. If that made me feel good, then the spirit of adoption of my father ought to make me soar on wings of eagles. Are you trying to get what I'm saying? That's what it ought to be doing to us. Many are deceived into this idea, I can act as an orphan. So they're saying, what they're saying is that they will deny this spirit and its operative action to solidify their faith. Why do you think we have so many orphan Christians? They won't allow this spirit operative value, operative action, refuse. Ephesians 1.5, let's do this. As his sons through Jesus Christ. Okay, this is what he wanted. Come on, we're all adopted. I mean, I like that. You that have truly been adopted in the world, would you realize that all of us have been adopted and quit using this for some kind of a fear that controls you, that nobody wanted you? I'm telling you the real truth. The only person that wanted any of us in a spiritual sense was the enemy. And the only person that had all of us in a spiritual sense is the devil. And the only way we can get adopted as true sons is through the Spirit of God. Of course, Jesus Christ. It's important. Galatians 4, 5 through 7 says... Well, you can't be a son unless you've been adopted. I mean, I don't think we really grasp the idea that we're sons. And Robert is no better a son than I am. I'm a son, Steve. That's what I am. You're a son. It doesn't matter. He doesn't look at you and go, well, you didn't do what I asked yesterday because I got Dennis a little higher than you because he was a little more. No, I think the, the fact of being obedient is what we'll talk about soon, but obedience just gives me more confidence in God, whereas when I walk in fear, I just really find failure, or I really don't believe obedience has a reward. I really don't believe that. I don't think we mean to believe that, but I think we do. Go ahead. So he sent the spirit of Jesus. That's what, and what it says, Don, you read it again. 
Does it say that? Inside each one of us, which has to be the Holy Spirit, because Jesus had the Spirit without measure. I was thinking that in the shower this morning, how God could be all He could be, be three different great manifestations with filling angels and donkeys and doing whatever He did, but three manifestations, and He did it on our behalf so we could come to know Him in such a way as a son and a father. That's why He did all He could do. The Spirit who calls out. So it's not even your Spirit, Bruce, calling out Father. It's the Spirit that, can, that raised Jesus from the dead that's calling out Father. So you are no longer a slave. Somebody say amen. amen. But a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. So I'm not just a son. Everything that God has or has prepared for us, not only do I get to have benefit of it now, but in the age to come, I have also benefit for eternity. Now, my eternity starts the day that I'm born again. Now, we know eternity is going to be for those that are lost as well, but my eternity and my keys given to me for the kingdom of heaven start the day that I'm born again. Why? Because he gives his keys to his sons. That's why we're supposed to be acting a little bit different than everybody else. You must first realize you have a father, and as a result, become a son and also an heir. I like the fact that I'm an heir. When my daddy died, it was really important that I was an heir. I got some money when my daddy died. There was somebody in our family that he didn't choose to leave any money to because of the way they treated him. So even though, well, he really... Even though they were his son, they weren't heirs. So I think as Christians sometimes, we may receive salvation and our, what we're supposed to be operating in and living in today is part of, of what we get as heirs. And I think many of us walk not in according to or like the prodigal son. We're sitting around here thinking, well, the pigs are doing okay. Maybe I ought to try that. No, I mean that. I think that's what we act like sometimes. Not understanding who we are. Not knowing that we're really sons. Because we look at the world in, in circumstantial ideas. And if, if somebody's done us wrong or somebody's made us mad or something's happened, we revert back to being sons of the devil instead of sons of the Most High God. We want to react instead of respond. I don't understand. So we must know the Father has chosen us as a son. Well, let's look at this. When you look at the prodigal son, the only reason he could ever come home, regardless had he wasted his whole inheritance, which he did, he knew he was welcomed as a son. It was so deep-seated in him that he was told so many times, son, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you. It doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you. I know you're my son. You'll always be my son. I'm, I may not like what you do. I may not agree with what you do. But, buddy, don't you forget this. I love you. And nobody can take that love away. Don't you ever let anybody say that I don't love you. That's what he told this prodigal. So the prodigal goes out. He's at wit's end. He's spent every bit of it. You know, it's really good when you're living high on the hog instead of with the hogs. Come on, somebody. Help me here. Y'all with me? You're living high on the hog because you can buy drinks for everybody. You can go get anything you want when you want. 
And then all of a sudden you're living with the hogs. But I'm telling you what, that's what it takes for some of us to get to that place where we're fixing to eat just what the pig, or maybe we are. And all of a sudden we remember a statement that daddy said. And he said, don't forget, boy, you're my son and you're not a slave. You're my son and I love you and I will not stop loving you. And don't you let anybody talk you out of that. Don't patty cake, praise him. I really believe the prodigal had his hand on one of those pods and those pigs. You know, a pig will eat anything. They really will. They'll eat a live chicken you throw it in there. They'll eat anything. And I don't eat pork anymore, but I don't care what they eat. They show good. Don't shout me down. I'm just telling you all right now. I believe he was right here. And I believe that's when that spirit of adoption came on him and he went, wait a minute. I hear a voice. I hear a voice calling me home. I hear my daddy calling me. And I believe that's when he walked home. And I believe before he ever got there, you know the rest of the story, but that's what sonship does. The father has chosen us as a son. Maybe we ought to choose him as a father. Huh? He's chosen you. He's chosen you. So maybe we ought to choose him as a father. He's a pretty good dad. Matthew 4, 5 and 6 says, See, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their father. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. If we know what it is to have a father in heaven, now we can be the fathers we're supposed to be as a result. Our children will respect and follow after the same. How can we raise our children properly as dads and fathers to them if we can't even show them what the, what the idea and truth is about having a relationship with the real father? Since we have a father through our belief in his son, Jesus, we must do what he did. We must do what Jesus did. It's our avenue to prosperity in God. I don't think prosperity in God is not without pain. I don't think prosperity is God. With, I was talking to a brother earlier about it seems like a baby bird when he hatches. You know, it's hard to get out of that egg. And all of a sudden he's hatched into a whole new world. Christianity is all about hatching into something new almost every single day. Am I right or wrong? It's like you are hatching into something new every single day. And we, and you know, baby bird thought, all right, man, I'm out of this phase. I bet everything's all good. No, he forgot there's another brother in the nest with him. And if he's not careful, he'll be shoved out. So he's got to fight for everything. That's what the enemy wants to do to us, shove us out. So that we're on our own. Instead of realizing that God will feed us all the same if we're hungry enough. We must do what Jesus did. It's our avenue to prosperity in God. See, I have to make him. I have to have him in my cabinet first and foremost. He's my daddy. He's my father. He's running the show, not me. Be obedient to the father. My emulation of Jesus comes in being obedient to the father. I don't have to be like Jesus. 
I just have to be obedient like Jesus to wherever, whatever, whenever, and however that looks like. Romans 8, 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That means that we're sons like Jesus because we're his brothers. We always know him as Savior, but he's really your brother. You have another brother. Really even closer than the blood that you so stand for, stronger than you do the bro- your brother Jesus. So I have a father, and how do I get this father? I get this father through Jesus. My first cabinet pick is my father, the creator of the universe. I have access because he looks through the blood. When the Jews were leaving Egypt, they had strict orders to follow. They were told to put blood on the lintel and the two sides of the post. Let's go to Exodus 12. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two sides, on two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Now we know they had a cloud by day and a fire by night and a smoke that would rise from the Holy of Holies as their cabinet. And every one of these, obviously, were an example of the presence of God, the direction and leadership. Now I want you to know how Jesus builds bridges in the gap for us between the Father. They struck the lintel. What did they do to it? Did they place it up there? What did they do? Hyssop was a a plant that stands for something pure and something holy. They dip it into the blood of this lamb. There were other strict orders about eating this lamb, but they, they put the blood on this branch and they struck the lintel, which is the middle piece and the sides of the door. They didn't place it up there. I believe if they'd have done it wrong, there would have been some of them die. They had to strike it. Why did they have to strike it? Why? Out of the way it'd stick? No. Why? What did we do to Jesus? He was stricken. He was beaten. They didn't come up and, and well, well, you know, we're going to have to abuse you, so y'all go out and get a few feathers, and we're going to whip you. No, they struck him. Everything is a type and a shadow of what happened to Jesus. Look at Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. For us to have this type of relationship with the Father, his son had to go through what he had to go through like the lamb did as they left Egypt. This is what caused a great exodus. Next, if we want to talk about somebody being in the realm of our cabinet, it has to be the Holy Ghost. It must be. You cannot be saved without the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason why Jesus said he had to go, because if he didn't, and put blood on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in heaven, the Holy Ghost would have never come 50 days later on Pentecost, and we would all be thinking, what in the world are we doing? Because we can't even figure out what the Word of God says. You have to have the Holy Ghost. He's a residing member of every believer. 
I'd be really scared if I didn't feel like I was directed by God. Even though I said a prayer, even though I maybe have not invited the Holy Ghost, I'd be... See, that's why when you tell me I can't understand any of the Bible, red flags come up with me. Red flags. <laughs> red flags come up with me. If you can't understand the Bible, the only reason I can do anything in the Bible is because of the Spirit of God that's in me. I can't understand any of it unless the Spirit of God gives me revelation and wisdom. Impossible. John 16, 13, 15 says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. got to have him as a cabinet member you have to have the holy ghost as a cabinet member if you don't have the holy ghost as a cabinet member the bible's not important to you i'll be honest with you the church is not important to you people in the world have more attachment to you than people of the church it's the truth if you don't have the holy ghost or you're maybe eliminating him out of your life maybe you snuffed him out through sin because that's what you can do so we know we have to have the holy ghost we know we have to have a father Okay, we know we ha- how, we have to, how we get to this, Father, through the blood of Jesus. The next source we must use to engage these cabinet members is the Word of God. You with me? You've got to have the Word of God. Those that struggle with the Word are denying His ownership through salvation. I'm telling you, I don't care if you read just one verse a day, read some Scripture. One verse a day, read some Scripture. This morning I got up and I'm reading in Revelations. That's an eye-opener. I mean, some of you read it and go, that's why I don't read that. The reason why I do read it because it says, blessed is the man that reads this. Maybe you ought to do what the Bible says. My daddy says, I'm blessed if I read that. Come on, somebody. And so I do what my daddy says. He tells me to read it. And you say, well, do you understand all that? Well, apparently the Spirit of God doesn't want to give me all that understanding, but I'm going to keep reading it until I get bits and pieces and parts and it finally makes a hole. You listen to what I'm saying. But I don't run from something. It's in the Bible. I read it. And I go, wow. (laughs) Well, some of it, I just go, wow. I don't think everybody knows all of the book of Revelation, but if I'm blessed to read it, why would I not read it? See, that's scriptural. I want you to get this. Those that question the word are struggling with the deity of Christ. Those that scoff at obedience to the word are rejecting their position as sons. You don't read the Word, and you say, well, I just don't like reading. Well, then you've got to ask God why, why I know it's not the Spirit of the Father that stops you from reading. Don't tell me you're ADD, because I'm ADD. What you're doing is you've, you've rejected the full authority of the Spirit of the Father as a son. Therefore, when He comes to offer through His Spirit, your, your, your true identity has to be... Voting in the Holy Ghost so you can be a person, a Christian, a believer after the Word of God. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27 says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by washing with the water through the Word. 
Are you listening to this? You know, everybody wants to jump on husbands and wives about that, but really it's not. That's, that's secondary to what he's trying to tell you here. This is all about belonging to the church, about being, being a part of the body of Christ. And to present to her himself as a radiant church. How can we present ourselves to God as a radiant church if the Word and the Holy Ghost are not identifying what God wants to do in the greatness of His glory to be reflected as the moon does the sun? How can we do this? We can't do this. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is what God is trying to develop in each one of us, and especially the church. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself up for the church. And when somebody, well, I'll get to that in a minute. The word of God is our source for purity, perfection, and value. Got me? When I remember, or, or when the enemy starts throwing garbage at me, when I have enough word in me, the word in me overcomes what the enemy's telling me. But see, if you don't have very much word in you, or you're always waiting for somebody else to give you, you have to get to a place where the word in you and what you're putting in you, what you're doing, allowing the Spirit of God now to tell the truth in you, to fortify you, to strengthen you, to comfort you. If that's not what's going on in your life, that's the struggle that you're having in the inauguration of your salvation. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost find their activation in our obedience to the Word. That's how they activation. You want to start a fire with gasoline? If you don't have a match, it can't happen. You want to see a fired-up believer? You're not going to see a fired-up believer that doesn't have a father. Are you listening to me? And, and, and doesn't understand the Holy Ghost and is not reading their word. If they're not reading their word, you, you know what people do don't read their word? And it's not all bad, but they're not getting anything of their own. They watch a lot of Christian TV. They listen to a lot of Christian radio. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And they're stealing somebody else's stuff but they're not getting anything on their own. To get it on your own, you got to do what? Sit down. you got to get everything away from you. And I don't care if it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes. God can do more if you just be obedient in your heart. It's not about an hour. I like to spend an hour, but it's not about an hour for you. It's whatever God calls you to do. Just stop neglecting the Word because when you do, you're starving your spirit. Are you listening to me? Well, I don't care. I think I've got enough Christianity. I don't think I do. I want that word. Just You say, how do you know you don't have the word all running through you? Because I see how I act sometimes. <laughs> I know it's not for none of y'all. Right? Anybody out there like it? Y'all all just, yeah, I just always control myself. That's all y'all. Holly, is it you? Yeah, I can see you back there. Yeah, I always control myself. Look at here. The Father and the Son find their activation and their obedience to the Word. That's how you activate the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? That's why some of you have no idea about, well, how was this Holy Ghost stuff? Put the Word of God in you if you're born again. You'll activate the Holy Ghost, and then you won't be so, oh, you're talking about that Holy Ghost again? Well, how can you not? You can't do anything without Him. I don't know why every church doesn't spend a part of their service talking about the Holy Ghost. It's ridiculous. If we talked about your car, you'd be saying, oh, I got to get gas in this car. 
They talk about your spirit. We need to be saying, oh, you're getting empty on the Holy Ghost. So we got to fill up the Holy Ghost. And then we got to put enough word in there so we don't get empty. We no longer have to pretend to be a believer because the word of God is honored through obedience and the church takes on its rightful place in a world that is looking for hope. Now, let me give you a sub-cabinet member. You know what a sub-cabinet member is? It's the church. I mean, I can tell you it's a cabinet member. Make, you know, try to, but I, I think it's a sub-cabinet member. Do I think the church is important? Jesus died to establish it. He did. Many people think, well, I don't have to go to church. They do. I'll read about that in a minute. To be a viable force against the enemy and to be useful in the kingdom of God, you must belong to the church. And I'm not talking afar. I mean, you need to be in here and stirring up your gifting, stirring up the ministry God's given. You don't need to be sitting out on the outside going, I'll tell you what I'd do. Well, quit telling us and start doing it. I tell you down at the church what they're doing wrong. Well, maybe it's the reason why we're doing it wrong is because you're not fulfilling your part, so we'd stop doing that wrong. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I'll tell you why I'm mad at them. Why? Because God tried to do a work in you and you quit. That's all it is. Listen to me. 36 years I've been in the faith, I have never been offended. You just have to decide the offense is not going to overrun you. You have to decide maybe they did offend me, but maybe there was a work in me that God was trying to do even more important than what was going on. It was a work in me. We'll be, I'll tell you how you know the Holy Ghost and the Word of God doesn't have prevalence in you because it's always everybody else's fault. Your whole life, even before you were born again, it was everybody else's fault. Still is, and because when you did your inauguration, that's where it stopped. Jesus is your Lord. God may be your Father, but the Holy Ghost and the Word have no right to rule you. <laughs> the first statement that comes from a lost person or a backslidden Christian is this. You ready? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm telling you right now, buddy, those that have left this church or any church I've ever been at in my life, that's the first statement that comes out of their mouth. The very first one. If I go by and talk to her, well, Pastor, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I say, well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Well, I am the church. If I'm out there hunting on Sunday morning, if I'm fishing on Sunday morning, I don't have to go. And I, I am the church. I'm out. I'm worshiping God in the wilderness. No, you're not trying to kill that 12-point buck. In the name of Jesus? That poor buck's going, Jesus wouldn't kill me. Man, that buck's going, make him miss, make him miss. Huh? Let me tell you something. It shouldn't be a whether I have to go. You ought to love to go to church. The reason why you don't, you hadn't filled yourself with the Word of God. You hadn't, you hadn't allowed the Spirit to rule your life. You'd rather go somewhere on a Friday or Saturday night and come Sunday morning, you'll always sleep late. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know the favorite part of my service? No, it ain't preaching. It's the worship. I, don't, I wouldn't miss the worship in this church because I've never been at a church where it's any better than this right here. And I'm not bragging because it's this church. I'm telling you, I used to write this on Facebook, and people, some of them in this church get on me about when I'd say it's the best church in town. Well, you just say that. I say that because if it wasn't, I'd be at another one. 
You don't understand. I, I go find me one that's better. But I'll tell you right now, buddy, when this bunch up here, they must be doing something spiritually right because when they start, start vocalizing, I'll tell you what, it brings me in. It brings me in, so I'm not focusing all on anything. I, I'm talking about God. And I see people on their knees, and, and I see people crying out to God. I'm telling you, that's awesome. That brings me in. That, when I hear somebody crying out to God, I'm not running away from it. I'm thinking, oh, God, meet their need wherever they are. And help me be that compassionate. Some of us don't come to the altar because we're afraid that might get on us. That's the reason you should come to the altar. You know what? I mean, let me tell you this. If you really want God to operate in your life, when you come in here, first of all, stop missing praise and worship. You know why you're dodging it, don't you? Because you don't want to be obedient to the Father because you're really not sure you want to be a son. But if you'll come in here, don't you understand? That's the devil keeping you away. Most people I know late to church are never late to work. You'd lose your job. What if you lost your salvation if you was late to church? Ooh, I guarantee you we'd be up here with bells on. I'm here. Ding, 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 ding. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Huh? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Hey, you be here. You ain't missing nothing. Why? Here's my deal why I'm always early. I'm here really early because I'm the pastor, but I've always been early. I don't want to miss nothing. What if God shows up in praise and worship and there's a word or there's a miracle or something happens, somebody says something, and somebody has to tell me about it? My God ain't nobody tell me about it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not going to say, well, yeah, maybe next time I'll be here. No, you missed it. Don't you understand? That's just the devil keeping you away from God's bed. Let me tell you what I'd do. If I were you, first of all, I'd always be before it starts. Why? Because that makes the devil mad. I love to hear the foyer out there, people eating donuts. And somebody said, they make a mess. I know I like it. Make a mess. Make a mess. Let your kids make a mess. We'll clean it up. Why? That's what goes on around here. Let's have some fun up in here. Let's eat some donuts. You ought to eat some of your little sugar high coming up in here. You might think it's Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost, that sugar will be running through. <laughs> you understand what I say? You got that? Oh, he got that one. Okay. That's the Spirit of God. See there? God spoke right there. Okay? Really, truthfully. And some of you that always sit so far back, I can barely see you. Why don't you tell the devil, today I'm going to show you where I'm sitting. Don't you know it'll make every demon in hell in your life mad if you start sitting up here? You just, hey, just do this right here. Let me show you how you do it. Y'all watch me. Follow my, follow my up here. You come up here. Well, let me, let me, I'll tell you the ones that are really, I don't know what, but they go past the, they move, they move the, the, and they sit all the way back here. Everybody looking at me? I know some of you on the other side. You take yourself by the nap of the neck.
I got a brother finally holding me down. I'm glad he did. I was wearing out. You understand this? You don't understand. It's the enemy himself running you ragged. And you think, I'm doing what I want. If you'll put this. Deborah, would you get that and put it in the middle for me? See how I did that? Sometimes you got to show people how to do things. So this next week, I'm going to see some of y'all from the back. I would ask your mate to do it, but there may be a fight up in here I can't solve, so don't do that. Don't do that. There you go. I'm almost done. Oh, it says I'm out. Let's see this. I really don't have much. That's all I have. I'm out of breath. Listen, it's hard when you start whipping yourself like that. I'm about to get this shirt pressed again. You understand? I'm hoping I can get two wearings out of it. Listen to me. Well, I try if I don't sweat too much, I don't I wear it again. But I'm afraid this time it's out. So what happens? So listen to me. Sometimes in the spiritual realm, there's a battle that's going on. Some of y'all are so afraid to tell yourself, no. You know, the, the worst thing that makes Christians the maddest is when somebody looks at your flesh when you're asking something stupid and they go, well, we're not going to do that now. He, he say no to me? My God, my wife don't even say no to me. Don't shout me down. I hit home air, didn't I? Y'all used to walk like that to your wife said no. So when I, hey, my wife says no to me. I don't say much. I just go, I'm going to have to wait till later. I got my car. That's what I'm talking about. I want to buy a knife or something, and she knows I'm addicted to knives. And I don't know why, but I'm telling you, I can't hardly get, and I, I don't keep half of them. I give them away, but she knows. I think I need that, uh, it's a good-looking knife over there. She said, you just bought one the other day. I won't say nothing. I let it go. About three days later, I said, I found that thing on sale. <laughs> oh, just shut up and go ahead and get the stinking thing. <laughs> I can't help it, y'all. I mean, I know y'all need to pray for me, lay hands on me, whatever, but I'm telling you, I mean, I don't, you can go and carry, I carry a couple, I don't have but one right now, but sometimes I carry a couple at a time and, and I really do end up giving most of them away, but I don't know what's wrong. I just look at the knife. I don't look at the knife channel anymore, but I get it on the internet, look at knife stuff. I just, hey, I start looking at that. I don't know what that has to do with the scripture or anything, but listen to me. I look at them knives and just start going, man, I don't know what them blades do to me. They're like caressing me. I know what it is. God used them to carve the spirit, and the fle- I mean, to carve the flesh off of me. So I can choose the right knife. That's what it is. Am I the only one that has those kind of issues with things? I mean, y'all going to be honest. I really do. I got, I got an addiction to knives. Y'all need to pray that I can stop that mess. Am I the only one? My brother's the same way. I know where one other one back there is. See, we think there's only the other kind of addictions that give us trouble. But that's a flex, uh, fleshly addic- addiction. I know that. But I like them. I mean, I ain't going to use it on you. I just like them. The other day, I cut myself with one of them. almost threw it away. 
Just got some demon in it, maybe. I don't know. First thing a lost person or backslidden Christian tells me, I'm telling you what, they can have been going here 15 years, have heard more truth than you've ever heard in your life. And you know what they'll tell me? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. First of all, that's a lie to hell. This is the weakest defense to deal with. Let me tell you the real truth. I don't even argue with these people. I don't. When you've already gone that far and you've let the enemy convince you of that ignorance, I just go, God, you're going to have to do something pretty damaging to this situation. I hate to say that, but that's what has to happen. See, sometimes we forget where we came from and what God has brought us through. And as soon as one little thing, Don, makes us mad, and it, I mean, it can be the, most of the time it is a lie. We can walk right out of here and go, well, and you don't even understand. When you make yourself a non-sacrifice to God, you make yourself a sacrifice to the enemy. That's pretty scary. There's nothing to argue about. They're misled wrong. Let me tell you, I'm, see, I'm speaking real here. I'm not going to say, well, it's not God's best. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's misled. They're misled, they're wrong, and they're deceived. And anybody wants to take this up with me after the service, I don't have time. I have a Christmas today. Believe it or not, you believe in it. You ever heard anybody having Christmas? What is today? January the 8th? Y'all had it yesterday? We're having it today. You ever heard anything that crazy in your life? I am angry about this. I have to wait this long to get any decent gifts. I'm teasing. They have become useless. Listen, they have become useless in the kingdom of God. They truly have become, listen to me, I'm almost done, embers in the hands of the enemy. When you start talking that crazy, the enemy starts handling you like you're his. You become hot in his hand. Now he can throw you to destroy the church. That's what he does. You don't have to go, I've been down there at that remnant church. You wouldn't believe all the heresy. Tell me what I'm teaching. It's heresy. Well, I I just don't know if I... I don't care if you agree with me. You've got to agree with God. Tell me how much you study. Tell me how much you're reading your Bible. Tell me how much you're praying. You you pray for each other every day? No, really? Yeah, it's hard to say, yeah, because you don't want to lie in the house of God. (laughs) (laughs) To learn how to operate within the body of Christ... Is of great necessity to progress and be of use toward the kingdom of God. Almost done. The church is the schoolhouse for the disciple. You ready? I don't know if these are going to be up here, but I'm going to say them to you. One, learning to submit to one another. Golly, if you can do that, if you can do that. I've had people come to me and say things to me, and I wanted to get mad, but you know what? That's, that scripture there, Ephesians 5, 21, i got to learn to submit to somebody. I... And, and go to God and find out whether it's right or wrong. And even if it's wrong, I'm still not going to come jump on. Just telling you. Disciple. Two, esteeming others more highly than yourself. Ephesians 2, 3. Try that on for size. When have you tried that on for size? Huh? First of all, it has to happen in the house. I tell you, we are so hard on our spouses. Well, they got to do it my way. But if your way ain't God's way, why well, I ain't doing it your way. Don't be trumping God. Well, here's the way I feel. I ain't going on your feelings. Let's find the truth. 
Most Christians follow feelings. I tell you, if you're following feelings, you're following failure. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you're following feelings, you're following failure. I tell you what, learn to submit to one another is hard. I don't know why y'all looking at me like that. It ain't hard. How about submit to your spouse? Is it not hard? Am I the only one? I have a tough time when my wife wants to pin my ears back. And she's right. Of course, I hadn't done anything wrong. I don't know why y'all laugh every time. Thank you. I got one guy. He knows. You, yeah, I see the scars in your ears, too. It's okay. Three, developing your gifting. That's what the church is for. Learning to submit to one another. Esteeming others more highly. Developing your gifting. The whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians and other places. You can't develop your gifting being a parking lot prophet. It doesn't happen. It only happens in the body of Christ. And the last one, and there's many more I could have wrote down. Becoming highly skilled as a servant. Oh, my God. Matthew 23, 11. Becoming highly skilled as a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be like me, you're going to have to be a, a bigger servant than anybody in town. I don't know if the church today is like that. We want to have these Hollywood preachers that don't do a whole lot and everybody carts them around like they're somebody. And Jesus... He touched lepers. You say, well, he was God. He could do that. No, he was God in the flesh, and nobody touched a leper. Do you know most of us, when we act the way we act sometimes, if Jesus was in a world that, that, that he wasn't God and knew his mission was not to be obedient, we act just like a leper, and he wouldn't touch us. We think of a leper as somebody that's so diseased. Let me tell you something. When we ignore and reject the word of God, we reject the Holy Ghost, we just reject everything that he's doing, we're saying, when the, when, when the leper asked him, you just, you can make me whole, he said, come here. And by God, that touch was a touch of obedience. The only reason he got healed because it was a touch of obedience from the Father. You have to understand, that's all it was all about. That's what he wants to do to all of us today. This is all a part of inauguration. Once you have allowed Jesus to be inaugurated as your king, these other areas are a must in developing you as a disciple of Christ. Next week, Pastor Colby is going to continue in this vein. That's what these flags are all about. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. It's not that I uh, think that our, the inauguration of January 20th is more important than the augura- inauguration of Christ in your life on a daily basis. I was saved 36 years ago, but I have to continually make sure Christ is in the center of my life, and he's the one that's speaking, and I'm giving him a source through his spirit and his word. Even though things don't look just right, even though it looks like God ought to do it. Listen, I I struggle sometimes with with things that God allows. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Early deaths with people. Things that happen in people's lives, I struggle with it, but I have to come back to this place that I trust him, I love him, I believe everything he does is right, and I believe there's a loose devil on the planet, and the only people that can keep him in check are a church that's unified to do so. Other than that, he's loose to do what he wants. 
Would you bow your head with me? You know you're born again? Anybody in here know that if you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? If you're not sure, raise your hand. If you're not sure, you'd raise your hand. If you're not sure, you'd go to heaven. Now, bless God, then we ought to be ripping and running in Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the word today. I pray for each one in here. I pray for them to have the integrity of like Jesus, following the word, listening to your spirit, and knowing that they have a father. Without a doubt, no more rejection. Without a doubt, no more orphans. Without a doubt, knowing there is a belonging in the house of God. Knowing without a doubt, I don't have to feel the spirit of rejection. No longer, without a doubt, I can stop the blame game. And start embracing the call that you have on my life. Develop as a Christian. Develop in these areas that have been so small and so little and so short. Develop in the area of serving. Develop in the area of ministry. Develop in the area of becoming a true son of God by the inauguration of Jesus Christ.